Hi, everyone. Welcome to Light from the Rabbit Hole podcast. I'm Don Whitney. I started this podcast to share my own story and to share stories of light in the dark corners of trauma, chronic and mental illness, and addiction. It will also include brave stories within the LGBTQIA community. On today's episode titled, On a Healing Journey, Do You Believe in Trauma Recovery? I have the unique pleasure of interviewing a very special guest, someone unlike anyone else I have had on the show thus far. Reverend Dr. Natalie Vale is a double board acupuncturist, ordained spiritual minister, a certified psychic medium, a Reiki master, herbalist, feng shui consultant, and initiated shamanic priestess with more than 30 years of experience as a healer. She's based in San Diego and works with clients worldwide. And as an integrated practitioner, her personal mission is to share ancient wisdom and hold a sacred space for people to heal their deepest wounds through compassion and courage. On the show, we discuss her unique gifts from when she was speaking with dead people and spirits from the age of four to her own traumatic story during adolescence of living with a severely mentally ill father where she and her siblings endured a dysfunctional and violent upbringing. This created the need for her to find her own healing journey of trauma recovery. And on this path, she continued to cultivate her healing gifts as an empath and intuitive. She became an acupuncturist, a feng shui consultant, and a Reiki master so that she could use all the tools of healing combined with her psychic ability to help those who are looking for trauma recovery with transformation and deep healing from their past traumas. We discuss all of this as well as epigenetics, which could be a topic all by itself on a separate podcast. This was an informative, uplifting, and unique podcast that will stretch your limiting beliefs. It's amazing to know there are true healers like Reverend Dr. Natalie in this world, and we are lucky to have them called into our lives. Let's dive in. Okay, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness, this is going to be a fun one. Everybody uh, better be grounded and sitting down and ready for some fun woo-woo on this podcast today. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's so much fun. Okay, so let me introduce you guys to my new BFF. I guess you didn't know that I was going to be, you were going to be my new BFF. Maybe you did. Do you, did you? Well, you said Scorpio and I was like, oh yeah, it's on. <laughs> we're, 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 friends, we're friends for life. So yeah. let me introduce everybody to Reverend Dr. Natalie Vale, who, I mean, Reverend Doctor right there. I'm just like, wow, that's a big deal. We're going to talk about that. She's a double board certified licensed acupuncturist, an ordained spiritual minister, an herbalist, a certified psychic medium, which I'm super excited about, uh, a Reiki master, which I am so interested in hearing more about. We're going to talk about that. A feng shui consultant and an and initiated sham, shamanic priestess. Wow. We got to explain that one with more than 30 years of experience as a healer. So she has a private practice in San Diego. We're both in the sun right now, which is exciting. I'm in um, La Quinta where we have our other house. And I was just telling um, Natalie before we got on the call that I dodged a bullet from the Portland ice storm that 
just ravished uh, my city for the last five days. And I feel a little guilty that I'm here in the sun, um, but it's okay. It's going to be okay. Um, so you have a private practice there in San Diego, right? And you work with clients all, all over. Is that correct? I sure do. Yeah, I sure do. So um, let's get into this. This is exciting. First of all, thanks for being here. I feel so lucky to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm ex- super excited to be here too. Um, I feel like it's a mutually beneficial love fest already. I'm just yeah. like feeling the vibes. You know, my heart is all like fluttery and feeling good. And whether that's just post Valentine's Day or just you or all the above. or <laughs> It's, <laughs> it's me. Like, it is you. It is you. Let's be real. Let's be real. It's you. I'm super glad that Tony introduced us, um, Tony Davis. And um, just, I love her and Maria. They're just like two of my favorite people. And um, of course, they introduced me to another amazing person because everybody that they know is amazing too. So I'm just feeling really blessed and really excited and happy. And um, yeah, really, I'm just yeah. feeling this. So before we get started, I want to just tell everybody, we um, both of us had this crazy morning and, uh, I came in hot. I mean, I I got no, there's hair hasn't been washed. I don't know, two days. I've got nothing going on. I maybe have, oh, I have some lipstick on. Right. And I came in hot and we both were just like, we recognized that we both were kind of like, ah, all over the place. So, uh, Reverend Dr. Natalie did a amazing prayer grounding session prior to our our taping of this show and I am so bummed out that I did not secretly tape it because and record it because it was so awesome I I was done and I was like oh I feel amazing I love her I mean you did so many fun little things just just kind of give give the listeners and and the viewers because some people will be watching this on YouTube tell them kind of what you did just in a quick little overview. Yeah. So what I did was a invocation and prayer as well as a grounding exercise and a chakra rebalancing. So I kind of combined a whole bunch of different things into one. So what invocation is, is it's like, it's an invitation, if you want to call it that. Like it's a, it's a, it's a calling out into the ethers, into the soul to create sacred space and to create a safe container. So when we do that, we're um, calling out to our divine self, our highest self, as well as our guides, our teachers, our angels, the different, you know, entities that work with us um, on the other realms. And and really creating this very intentional space to do spiritual work. Um, so that's what that invocation is. And that, and then we moved into, I had us do kind of like this chakra rebalancing because, you know, when our, as we, as just being and being on this planet, and especially during these really crazy times, um, it's so easy for our chakras to become imbalanced. And our chakras are just like energy centers, right? So um, that correlate and correspond to different emotions and organs um, on physical, mental, emotional, spiritual level. So, um, you know, trying to just open them back up, activate them, circulate them, rebalance them so that we can have, you know, connection to our highest potential. Um, and then when we're in that energy of our highest potential, that's when like magic happens. Right. So, yeah. um, 
So once you get that, that's, you know, that, that balance or is that alignment? Because it's so easy to get, to get dysregulated. It's so easy to become out of alignment. Um, yeah. you know, because we're just like bombarding into everybody else all day long, you know, and, uh, and if you're an intuitive person, um, you know, regardless if you are not, um, you're going to, things are going to, they can glom onto you internalize them. You get triggered. I mean, it's just like this whole, um, kind of like cat and mouse game. So when you get that back into alignment, it's like, okay, I am back in my body. I am fully incarnate. I am fully present. You know, I am the sovereign autonomous king or queen, you know, in this body. Um, and then from there, you know, just continuing to, then that's part of what grounding is as well, because people think like grounding is like, you know, you have to like go walk barefoot in the grass and sing Kumbaya, which is awesome. Not going to lie. I love that too. But you know, that doesn't necessarily have to be the thing. What being roots is about being present, about slowing down, being in this moment, the here and now, taking a pause, stillness, even if the stillness is for 30 seconds, allowing everything to kind of catch back up again. Right. So, um, and we just, we just don't take enough pauses throughout our day. We don't take enough breaks throughout our day. Right. Yeah. I felt that too. I felt my, myself come back into my body. Cause I was all, woo, you know, I felt it. Yeah. Now your, yeah. um, your internet is a little, little dicey. So we just want to say that out of the gates, but no, I can still hear you, but I know that some of the listeners might hear some little pauses, but, but hang in there and stick, stick with us through this whole thing, because this is going to be fun. Yay. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. There's and a to, lot of construction happening outside. I think that yeah. might like be disrupting what's going on out there. So I do apologize. We're just yeah. going with the flow. Yeah. And this is what the universe is telling us needs to happen. So, I mean, you and I have talked about this, that the people who've been through the most shit and, and had some of the craziest trauma in their lives, little T's and big T's as we call them, right? So oftentimes make the best healers, right? And, yes. and we heal in different ways. You know, you, you obviously have a very specific way of healing, especially with all of your credentials and your education. And I am, am hoping that through this podcast, we are supporting and reaching the masses that need to hear it. And that in my small way is, or large way is, a contribution to help with the healing and my own personal healing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, paying yeah. it forward. Paying it forward. Yeah. And that's the reason that we're, we do this. That's the reason I've, I've started this podcast. I did say to you that I think you should have your own podcast, but you're, you have too much on your plate. <laughs> but you would be <laughs> I so sure do. <laughs> great. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. so we're going to talk about all of this, but let's start with the fun stuff, which <sighs> is always talking mm. about for the brief moment to set the stage all of the reasons why, you know, we are in this, doing this work, you know, together in this lifetime is to learn from our own, you know, path that we have to walk in this life from whether it's something from a previous life or this life or whatever we have. Right. But the emotional, um, the emotional and the physical and the spiritual kind of, um, turmoil, I guess we could call it, we both have kind of endured in our lives is what starts this whole process of wanting to help others. So it's a great foundation of like, give us a snapshot 
of why you are such an overachiever (laughs) and have done (laughs) 25 different things that you are so skilled at. (laughs) The Reiki, the feng shui, I mean, come on, like everything. It's like, you're so good at it all. So I want, I want to know what the hell happened (laughs) to get you on this path. Cause I know it started when you were young. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, girl. Thanks for just like being so direct and calling me out like that. That was awesome. I was like, oh, wow, snap. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, but it's true. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm not going to lie about that. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's just start from the very beginning, right? Um, yeah. You know, I, this is kind of a more recent revelation that I have, but I realized like I was born into a sea of grief is what I've like been calling it. So, um, you know, I'm going to just go there, I think, you know, and just kind of give the background, um, for that. And, and, and also I want to preface this by saying like, in me sharing my story, this is not like a comparative suffering at all because everyone's stories are so real and deep and meaningful. And what's, what's a capital T trauma to one person could be a small T to another, or could be like literally nothing to another person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have to just keep that in mind. Um, and how, you know, how we all relate is in different ways. So anyway, um, yeah, I was born into a sea of grief. My parents, um, you know, uh, got pregnant with me um, before they were married. And my dad at the time um, was really emotionally unavailable. And he uh, was kind of just ditched my mom, you know, and this is in the early eighties, super early eighties. And, um, both my parents were born and raised Catholic. So this was like, you know, a serious faux pas at the time. Um, they were both actually active duty military as well. So this was like very taboo, very bad. And, um, my dad went back to these coasts. He, you know, stayed there. My mom felt very abandoned, very sad. Um, and then she, uh, her family actually is from the Midwest and they, basically disowned her over it. And so there she was, you know, um, 26 and very alone and, um, very abandoned. And so all of that grief just got transferred into me as a little itty bitty fetus. Now that's the thing that we don't understand is that like, you know, it's not even just trauma doesn't even just start at birth, which by the way, birth trauma is a real issue. It's a real problem that a lot of people don't even know about. Um, but then it actually starts with conception and conception trauma. Like what were the circumstances of your conception, um, of when, you know, the sperm meets the egg and then boom, there you are. What is that spark of the divine light? And so even though, you know, um, I was at the time I was like made in love, it quickly turned into a, um, you know, feelings of being unwanted, unloved. Um, and my mother, you know, she'll, she'll swear that I was always a wanted child, but it, it doesn't matter because those feelings, her feelings of grief, sadness, sorrow, loss, abandonment, um, you know, were transferred into me. So, you know, it took me like until my late thirties to realize that, oh my gosh, like all of my feelings of inadequacy, inferiority, like they all started then because I didn't feel like worthy or deserving enough to actually even be alive or on this planet. Wait, so I to even be here. About that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is such a good point. So <clears throat> I told you about my friend, Amy Stark, who has the company called Transformation, um, Stark Transformation, who I need to get you guys connected because she's also a psychic medium too. And you guys would just vibe on each other for sure on all of this stuff, Right. She actually did an EFT tapping with me um, 
Did you get a chance to see that one, by the way? You probably have been too busy. Remember I was talking- I haven't, but I, I have, yeah. No, I haven't seen that one, but I have, but I did listen to like, or like at least two of yours, like the first okay, two. Good. So okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but there was this one with her where she was doing this tapping with me and she uncovered through the tapping, she basically said, you know, her, my higher self had spoken to her and basically told her that there had been some trauma at, in, at birth. Same thing you're talking about, that that there was some issues going on with my mom having a feeling of loss and all this kind of stuff. And it's so funny because what you just said just struck a chord with me because um, my whole childhood was felt, I felt, even though there were moments where I felt safe and I was loved, uh, at least by one of my parents, there was so much um, feeling of not being good enough and not being safe enough and feeling abandoned. And so I just think it's crazy that, you know, now you're you're telling me the same thing. And I mean, people need to understand that are listening to this, that this is like a real thing. I mean, isn't there some scientific, what is, what is there that can explain this whole thing, this whole theory? Uh, epigenetics. So like the study of epigenetics, you know, which is becoming more and more popular as of recently, but the idea that we have, you know, we don't just inherit our DNA from our parents, like around our physical attributes, um, eye color, hair color, whatever, but also that we inherit, um, behavioral patterns. So, and also limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. And there was, um, I think it was John Bradshaw, right? So back in the eighties, he was super popular around, um, healing family lineages and ancestral ties. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you know, the, the secrets because, you know, secrets and shame, I think that, you know, he was kind of like the originator of a lot of shame research that then like Brene Brown has taken and just like blown up and done amazing with, you know, and just like really brought into the light and stuff. But, um, you know, there's so much there that regardless, and that the problem is, is like so much of us don't know our story. Like, we just don't even know our story. We don't even know, we don't know what happened around conception. We don't know what happened around birth. Even before that, like a lot of people don't even know anybody beyond their grandparents. And so this is, yeah. And we are, you know, and there's a lot of, um, like, there's like a yoga teaching that says, you know, that we are at least 10 generations back of them. Like we are them. So their actions, their decisions, what they ate, how they how they thought, you know, what they believed, like the, that's all part of it. And then of course, like in trauma, there's the, um, the H I P P right. Like the hip idea, which is like that that trauma is historical, um, intergenerational, uh, personal and transpersonal or something like that. I can't remember. Don't quote me on the last one, but the idea that, you know, we carry with us whatever happened to them. And then with the trauma gene, once this gets turned on, there's actually scientific evidence of, of this as well. They did this study in, I be, I can't, again, don't quote me if it was either rats or gerbils. I can't remember. Um, or, or hamsters <laughs> or hamsters. It was some sort of rodent. But anyway, um, they did this study where they took this like population of rodent and they um, exposed it. I believe it was, to, again, this don't quote me on any of this. I believe it was to lilac scent. Okay. And they exposed them to lilac scent and then they tortured them. And so the rats or the the rodents, they memorized lilac scent equals trauma. Like I'm going to get physically abused of some kind. I don't think it was like horribly abusive, but it was just enough that they were, it it caused a stress response for them. 
Okay. So what that did was it activated the trauma gene within them. Okay. And then fast forward that rodent population had babies and that those babies actually were never traumatized, but what they would do is they would um, put lilac scent into their cages and they would go through a traumatic response. Like literally like their heart rate would increase. Um, They would start hyperventilating. They would start um, emitting cortisol, you know, like they would just have these actual physiological responses to smell because as we know, like the limbic system, which is memory is very tied into all our olfactory system, our, our smell. So, you know, that's another, uh, another piece of it too, is that like, you may not even know that maybe at the time, maybe like a person was sexually abused, um, you know, pre-verbal around the age of, of two. Um, and the person wore a particular perfume or cologne. And so then, you know, they're like going about their life and they're in their thirties and they run into somebody and there's that cologne. And then all of a sudden, or that perfume and they're like, (gasps) you know, like they don't know what's wrong with them. They don't know what's wrong with them. So, you know, there's all of that. So anyway, it's totally crazy. Yeah. So anyway, these poor little rodents, they didn't even, because their trauma gene was turned on. And so what they found was that it took a generation and a half of stability, security, and protection protection, um, whatever, of, of the, you know, of the, like the basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs being met, um, in order for the trauma gene to no longer express in future generations. So wow. if you think about it, if you think about it, right. All of us, like who here has grandparents that were like, you know, um, back in the forties or the fifties that were like super hip to, you know, um, interpersonal, um, you know, growth and self-development. I mean, because like literally, you know, the self-help movement didn't even come online until the 1970s. So like a little bit in the sixties, there was a little bit going on, but it became more popular in the seventies. So, you know, um, a a lot of that generation just didn't get that. So, you know, some of the boomers, some of them did, you know, and so hopefully they did enough work, but regardless, that means that all of us born are going to have this, whether we like it or not. Um, and then also, and you know, whatever work that we do impacts then future generations. That's why it's so important for us. If you're going to procreate, you know, to, to, to work on your shit, you know, to, um, you know, to heal, you know, um, to let go of the old wounds, the traumas, the stories, um, the limiting beliefs, uh, the distorted narratives that have been, uh, holding us back and keeping us hostage in our ancestral family lineages. I I'm so glad we, I just threw that at you without any prompting and look at you go. <laughs> I just, I had a feeling you were going to explain that so much better. So let's go back to you on, on all of this. So you're, you're realizing that, you know, there have been, there's some shit that was kind of laid there before you, before you ever even came out. Right. 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 So, yeah. So, I mean, there was, you know, there was just the conception trauma and then there was my actual birth. So at birth, um, I, my mother was in labor for far too long and, uh, wasn't doing, cause she was trying to do it the natural way, poor thing. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and anyway, it didn't go well. So, um, I w- actually went into fetal distress and they had to do an emergency cesarean. And I, when they had delivered me, I, they had realized that I had actually swallowed meconium, which is, your, which is the baby's first um, bowel movement, which is not supposed to happen. So I had aspirated that and it had actually gone into my lungs. And, um, and then I, then I had pneumonia 
as a baby. So now like that's interesting, right? But like, let's go back and look at this from like a traditional Chinese medicine conceptual framework because there's, this is like a lot going on there. So in traditional Chinese medicine, we have the five elements, you know, which is water, wood, fire, earth, and metal. Now each one of these five elements also has a corresponding organ system to it, as well as an emotional component to it. So the metal element in Chinese medicine is lung and large intestine. So respiratory system and then also the, you know, the bowels, right? Um, Now the emotions related to the metal element are grief, sadness, sorrow, loss. So here I was born into a sea of grief and abandonment and loss. And under so much distress that I had a bowel movement, large intestine, metal element, letting go, having a hard time, right? I, I was, should not have been under that much stress swallowed that, right? Went into my lungs um, and then got pneumonia. So respiratory system. So all metal element, you know, from a very early age. And I am not constitutionally metal. Like I am constitu because everyone has a constitution. You're know, like in Ayurveda, there is the doshas, right? The pit of Atakafa, you know, in the Greek system, there's the four elements, which are earth, fire, air and water. And then in Chinese medicine, you know, of course we have the five, which I already discussed, which is water, wood, fire, earth, and metal. So anyway, regardless, all ancient civilizations have these idea of these constitutions, which are about your body type and about your personality. And and whether you want to see that from a Zodiac type thing or whatever, it all has to do with archetypes. And so my archetype is not inherently metal. However, there was so much and, and so much grief that that became my energetic resonance in my how life. Find, how do you find out what you're, um, what you are? Yeah. So there's like a lot of free online quizzes that you could take, you okay. know, so you yeah. could go like Ayurveda dosha or Chinese medicine constitution, um, just like a real quick Google search, or of course, like go to practitioner. I mean, they'll tell you. So, you know, we have, yeah. So we, of course we have like a whole list of, um, different things that we would ask. You know, we also look at the face, we look at the body type, we look at the personality. Um, I also practice a form of, uh, feng shui astrology called the nine star key, which goes off of your birthday. So that will tell me a lot about who you are, why you're here, your strengths, your weaknesses, your karmic path, your destiny. So yeah, I mean, there's like, there's so many different components that make up who we are um, as a person. And I feel like that's been my journey, really. It's like, you were like, oh, you did all of these things. Yeah, because I was a seeker. Because I was trying to figure out who the fuck am I? Why the fuck am I here? You know, like, what is this about? Like, this shit's crazy. And I need something tangible to hold on to. Like, give me something that I can like, intellectually understand to make sense of all the crazy chaos that is happening in this world, (laughs) you know? So I'm going to need, first of all, we're going to have to do all of what you just said with me because I'm going, I'm going to hire you for this because I want to know what's going. I mean, I feel like you might already know just on a few basic things about me. Oh, I sure do. I sure do. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're very like, you're very what we would call like the wood, like the wood type. You've got a lot of wood type, but a little bit of metal, a little bit of metal. But you know, you're, you're, you're very wood, which is like, wood is like the provider archetype, like the one that's the go-getter, the mover, the shaker, the one that gets shit done. You know, the person that's like that driving force, you know, that's out there, like highly creative, very entrepreneurial. Um, 
needs to be active. Like you get bored, like you can't be bored. It's like a bad thing for people who are wood. They cannot, it's like, you know, so physically active, mentally active, like you've got to keep going type of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But you're like a great, like wood people are amazing cheerleaders, you know? Um, they're, they're very like the big ideas people as well. Um, you know, and they're really good with creative solutions. Oh my gosh, you just nailed it. So you get, so you basically figure all of this out that you're completely uh, imbalanced (laughs) at what age? (laughs) You had to figure, you had to fix it. Well, (laughs) right. I mean, so I always like to say, you know, I don't even know. I, I, you know, let's see. I think that you know, I was channeling spirit. I was a, a natural psychic meeting. I was channeling spirit at the age of four. I was having like, right. you, told you know, me that. like, like I was having, I was like talking to ghosts and dead people and all kinds of crazy shit, you know, which was really terrifying for a child and, um, terrifying. Like it was horrible actually. Oh, um, sure. and I had to learn how to understand and, and process that and develop my gifts to make, in order to have control over them. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, the first thing. Um, but then I remember around the age of like eight, ish. Um, my mom started actually teaching me like more actual practical, applicable, uh, techniques and skills within energy medicine, energy healing. So she was an, a nurse, an RN, and she, uh, was taking classes in therapeutic touch. So she then, and was teaching me because at that point I was already seeing chakras, auras. I was already doing all kinds of different work, but she actually taught me different techniques and she taught me how to like clear my energy and how to protect myself and a, a bunch of different things. So, you know, that was that, but I didn't realize that something was like, I guess I don't want to say wrong. That's really shaming. I don't like that word at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that there was Unique. a part of me that was like, no, not even, no, uh, like not integrated an unintegrated part of myself, mm-hmm. like, okay. um, a part that needed to be healed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, around the age of 11. So 11 was like really when I started going on, um, the journey in a deeper way, which is really funny to say that I like my spiritual awakening was at 11, but it was, um, so, uh, you know, that was when I started reading more Louise Hay and Deepak Chopra and Sark, um, because my parents had an enormous library of all of this stuff. And so I would just go into their library and, or the, you know, their bookshelf and be like, Oh, that looks good. You know? And so wow. and conversations with God and different things like that. So, um, was it Neil Donald Walsh? Anyway, so yeah, I just started, you know, you know, in that form. And then I remember like reading through Louise Hayes, like you can heal your life and being like, oh my God, I like deeply resonate with this, which is like what 11 year old says that. Crazy but I was me. really, wow. I was really, yeah, I was really in it. So that's when I guess I would say that like my, the conscious part of my self-healing journey began was yeah. around that age. Yeah. Gosh. And then when did you know you wanted to be an acupuncturist? that was later. So I always, yeah. So I always knew I wanted to be a healer. That was always something that was, um, always, I mean, literally I was four years old and I, um, my mom would take me to the chiropractor at four years old. I was like, I want to be a chiropractor. It was the very first thing that I ever wanted to do, ever wanted to be. And so I wrote, I even wrote off to the Palmer college of chiropractic school and they even sent me back a packet and like I was so excited oh my gosh (laughs) so I mean it was it was a very it was a very 
early, early thing. But then of course, like life happens and nobody knew what a car, this is like, you know, the eighties, nobody knew what a chiropractor was like, and everybody thought I was super weird and woo woo. And of course, like, you know, peer pressure gets in the way. And then of course, like, you know, we just want to be normal teenagers. So, um, and fit in, you know, because belonging, the need for belonging, you usurped my greater higher purpose. So, which happens. So I, you know, kind of took a few other turns and twists along the way. And then I consciously was still like learning. I was still practicing and learning, developing my intuitive gifts and also my healing gifts. Um, you know, uh, but then I really had to make a conscious choice. And I was, let's see, I was terrified of needles. Absolutely terrified. My mom likes to tell the story about how, when I was, um, five and going in for my kindergarten shots, it took four nurses to pin me down, um, for my shots. And, um, how I was like kicking and screaming and like, like having a real dramatic, episode, um, meltdown, meltdown. So (laughs) when I was, uh, 24 and I told my parents that I was going to become an acupuncturist, my mom literally laughed and was like, there is absolutely no way this is not happening. You are crazy. Ha ha ha. Good joke. And (laughs) so, so anyway, they were, and then they were like, sure, honey. Sure. Okay. You know, cause my parents, they never, they never said no to me, which actually I think is a, a, a problem um, yeah. because children do need, children need discipline, structure, rules in order to thrive, you know? Sure. And my parents were so, my mom's an Aquarius. She was very like, whatever, you know? Yeah. And, but then she you sign, and then she would judge, right. But then she would judge and shame and then be like, I told you so, but she never did tell me so. And she never said no. So <laughs> I just was like, I'm out here trying to floundering around, trying to find my own way, which ended up taking a lot of twists and turns. So, um, so becoming an acupuncturist was, it was a really, it was a divinely orchestrated thing. Yeah. You know, you're such a different type of acupuncturist. I mean, you're so unique. Yeah. Right. Oh, I thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, with Mm -hmm. all of these gifts and all of this, you know, everything that you're talking about kind of on this, um, the healer's journey, right. Is kind of what we've talked about but more on the spiritual side of that, like, that's what I was so excited about when we started talking. And I was like, this is such a unique twist on a, I mean, being an acupuncturist is unique in itself, but just all of the other components that you bring to the table as an acupuncturist, like, so kind of walk me through, if somebody came into your office, are you using all of these different gifts that you have to kind of assess? Okay. So you're doing feng shui, reiki, uh, psychic mediums, like what? Tell me, I'm excited to hear how it would like look like if someone came to see you. Right. So, I mean, yeah, all of it. It's really, you know, I'm an integrated practitioner, so it's going to all come together. And sometimes it's not all of the things all at once, you know? I mean, that's why I think that it's really important to have these relationships that are able to organically grow and develop as time goes. And so that's why that commitment to um, being basically someone's partner, you know, in their healing journey is what I what I love to do. Um, I, I A lot of my patients, I've had them for years, years. Mm. And so I've gotten to go through all of these life stages with them. And as we do that, our bond deep 
deepens and grows. And then they start to reveal more of the innermost selves and more of the secrets and the layers come out. And then we're able to heal on a much more profound level because we've established these, these bonds of trust, um, over the years. So, but basically when somebody comes in, you know, it's just about holding space for them in a really non-judgmental way and allowing them to unfold to me um, where they're at and where they've been and what they're seeking help for. Um, because of the unique work that I do, I assume that everybody that's been to me has experienced trauma in some form or fashion in their life. So now that trauma may come out on the very first visit and sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't come out until the, like we've been together for you know, two years. So, um, you know, I, I've, I've had that happen a lot and, you know, like I'll be working with somebody for years and then they'll tell me it's like this big secret, you know, like, well, you know, and then they'll say, they always do it like this. And it's so, it's so crazy. I'll tell you, this is, this is the craziest thing. Well, they'll say something like, well, you know, when I was raped in college and you're like, no, no, nope, I did nope, not know that. I did not know that. You know, and so like you're assuming because I'm psychic that I knew that. <laughs> right, exactly. Or because we've been going together here for, you know, two years or three years. And, you know, you figured that that was something that, you know, you share. And no, it wasn't. And so I've had to really work on like my reactions to that because, <laughs> because like, yeah, you're because, like, like, you know, because like, because I think, you know, there's a part of me, like there's this very analytical brain part of me that's, you know, always trying to figure out like what's going on with somebody, right? Like I'm, oh, I'm running, I would say I'm running multiple diagnosis programs on people, like all at the same time, while still trying not to fit them into a box or to categorize them in a judgmental, critical, unfair way. So it's this very like complicated process that's going down. That's going to yeah. be, that's got to be really hard to do. It is. It is. It's like not making assumptions of people, you know, and not, not, not knowing that like, and, and really understanding, like, I don't know the whole story, you know, that this is a, a complex story, you know, but my job here today is to, you know, love the person as they are. So yeah. is to just unconditionally love them, make them to feel safe and understood and heard and seen because that's like what we're all wanting and needing. And everybody thinks that they're like, you know, if, especially people who have had trauma, you know, um, everyone thinks that like, that there's something wrong with them or that, um, no one's going to understand their story, which like nine times out of 10, they're not, you know? Yeah. Um, because that's, my son. that's, that's the mean. thing about that's trauma where it comes from mm -hmm. that same spot. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's sad because it's true. Not everybody is going to intimately understand the details of your story or what happened to you or feel that level of pain that you have felt um, and be able to truly empathize with you on that level. And so that makes when you tell your story to people who can't understand and can't hold space um, for, the, for the depth and the level of pain um, that, is, and that is there, then it actually makes it worse. It just makes it worse. Because then you feel like even more misunderstood and even more like there's no hope, right? That you're never going to be able to recover or to feel better, you know, uh, someday. And I truly believe that like everybody has the potential, regardless of what happened to them, regardless that, that there is recovery is possible for everything. You know, you may not get to, and this is something I've had to really like level set my expectation on is that you may never get to like amazing, you know, like it may never be like, 
freaking, you know, butterflies and cupcakes and rainbows and unicorns and scooter like pink sparkles all day long. Right. However, however, can you find peace? Can you find happiness? Can you find love, connection, belonging? Yeah. Can you find a spot where you're not constantly thinking about that trauma and going back to that trauma and reliving that trauma. So, you know, cause I think that's a really important thing to talk about. And, you know, we, I kind of jumped in and asked you a couple of questions, but I want to go back and ask you this. Cause I, I, I think it's so important as long as you're comfortable talking about it is kind of like the trauma for you as a kid is what, Oh yeah whole thing in motion, not just what was going on before you were conceived and what happened, you know, in during conception and during, during delivery, all of that's important, but, but what happened to you in your formidable years when you are, you have all these gifts, these psychic gifts and spiritual gifts and that's going on. And then there was some abuse that happened, correct? Can you talk about that? Do you feel comfortable talking about it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you. Yeah. Um, well, as I say, everything that, you know, that you work on as an adult happened to you before the age of seven. So yeah, lots happened to me before the age of seven. So, um, you know, I, as I said, my parents were active duty military. So after I was born, they were stationed in Guam and they were gone like most of the time. So I went and I stayed with a nanny and her family and barely saw my parents, you know, Mm. um, which in itself was, you know, a lot of abandonment. And, um, with the nanny's family, there was, uh, I've recovered these unconscious memories that there was a lot of things that I was exposed to that were not appropriate for a child to be exposed to. Um, at all. Um, you know, I also remember I have like a a very, like, it's very interesting. I had this very uh, vague memory of being molested around the age of four as well. Um, and I've done like tons of sessions trying to access that as well, but not being able to like fully get down to the bottom of it, which I've just come to acceptance around like that. It's not necessarily needing to know all the details, but needing to be able to work on the emotions that are the set, the set of emotions that are surrounding that. Right. Um, you know, as well as the fact that my father is extremely, extraordinarily mentally ill. So, um, my father was an alcoholic and, um, and then when I became a little bit older around the age of 10, 11, he became, um, addicted to narcotics. So prescription medicine, mm-hmm. um, he was, uh, my dad, my dad is, is, um, manic bipolar, um, the personality disorder and OCD mm-hmm. and, um, narcissism and a whole bunch of things. So yeah. it was, um, so growing up, there was a ton of emotional abuse, um, very violent screaming, yelling, things like that, as well as some physical abuse. We were, we were mostly spared, you know, but like there was definitely some physical abuse, hitting, shoving, you know, things like that. So, um, you know, we grew up in this like very violent environment. So my siblings and I did not have the best relationships. We were all, um, I'm the oldest of three and we're, I'm five years older than my sister, five years older than my, or 10 years older than my brother. 
And, um, which in itself was horrible family planning, but okay, no judgment, you know? (laughs) So like, um, you know, so I was given a lot of responsibility way too much, way too early in my life. Um, you know, I was like very responsible for my siblings. And of course, like having all that violence in the home, like we were violent with each other as well. So it was never like a safe, secure, happy, stable home life. Um, you know, on the outside, it looked really super normal. You know, my dad, um, when, when they moved back to San Diego, my dad had a, a government job, you know, and my mom, you know, went to school and she was a nurse. And so it looked very normal. And we lived in, you know, upper middle class suburbia, um, you know, so it, it yeah. looks great from the outside. But um, there were so many issues. And yeah. I mean, it was, it got so bad that um, I remember being 14, 13, 14, and my mom had put us back into therapy because my parents actually put me in therapy when I was five years old. They knew I had anxiety and they didn't know why. And they didn't think like, oh, maybe it's because we're crazy. <laughs> you know, like, so they would put me, you know, like they would put me into yeah. therapy. And um, you so had, I, was, I and started you therapy. Did. I was in and out. Yeah. And you had dead people talking to you at that age. I did. I did. I did. I did. Yeah. So it was like a mixed bag, you know? And so anyway, I've been in and out out of therapy for my whole life, pretty much. Um, And with different people around different things. And so anyway, whatever. Um, My mom put us all back in therapy um, because my dad had gotten really, really, really violent again. And uh, even had my sister go live with my grandparents for a little while to get her out of the home. And, um, my mom, you know, made us go to this counselor because my mom knew that the counselor was a mandated reporter and that she would have to report my dad. And so that's exactly what happened. And so we, you know, had a CPS visit and, um, that was horrible. You know, I was taken out of school, um, and had to go sit and in the principal's office with a, with a, with a child psychologist and social worker and, uh, talk about what was going on in my house and being so embarrassed and protective at the same time, but also angry and mad at my dad and my, and my mom, you know? Um, so yeah, there was a lot there. And then, so when I fast forward, you know, in high school, I decided to graduate high school early because of my birthdays in December. So I graduated a semester early and I got the fuck out of there. I was like, yeah. I'm done. I'm done. I'm out of here. Like goodbye. How old were you? Like 17? 18. No, I was 18. So my birthday was, you know, end of the semester. So I turned, you know, I graduated high school, end of December, you know, turned 18. And then I moved right out. So, and then I began my own journey, which was horrible. Like, I don't even know which was worse to stay with my parents, you know, in, in their dysfunctional, abusive, toxic, codependent family situation or to be out on my own in the world, which is so harsh for an 18 year old who's so sensitive and doesn't know shit. So it was very like, you know, lesser of evils maybe. And, um, and so it was, it was like a a baptism by fire. Like it was just like thrown in with the wolves and, um, and that was horrible, you know, and I'll, I'll say that, um, but I get kids who run away. Like I get that. You know, I get that when you're feeling, especially when there's abuse, Mm -hmm. um, you know, wanting to get away from that. And then the, and then, you know, but the world on the other side, isn't like so much better either, you know, (laughs) you know, it's funny. Do you have, um, so do you have a relationship? Like what's your relationship with your mom? Because being in a home, because I grew up in this environment, what you're describing on my dad's side. So I had a stepmom 
I don't even think I told you this, but I had a stepmom who is also a nurse. And wow. that's actually the most ironic thing about it. Because when you think about growing up in an abusive home and a physically abusive home, and then one of them is a caretaker, a nurturer, and they're not doing anything about the situation. That's when you're like, what's going on? And, and that's when you realize that this person is very codependent, but also is being abused and doesn't know what to do and how to get out. Right. Is that yeah. similar? Is that what you went through with your mom? Is that what she was oh, going through? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You and I have this exact same scenario. And I'll tell you something, Don. my parents are still married like 40 years. So, so like, mine. what the hell? I mean, so like, mine. it is horrible. You know, my mother, I don't, again, it's like, you look, I, I think that, so when I, when I became like a, a teenager, I, you know, teenager, college time, early twenties, I lost all respect for her. I really did. Yeah, I, um, I saw her, I saw her as weak and codependent and um, a victim and a martyr. And I just could not even with her. I was literally like, la, 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 like every time. Cause she would, you know, vent and complain. And there was a lot of like parentification going on also where I was mm. like, you know, the healer. Right. And so I think that happens to a lot of empath kids, you know, where the parentification happens. And so, um, you know, that was happening or on an emotional level. And, uh, so, and then I became really, 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 really angry with her because then I, under, then I had that epiphany, epiphany of like, wait a minute, like you didn't protect us, you know, like, why didn't you leave him, you know? And, and how did you, how could you condone this behavior and allow this to go on? So then a lot of my anger got like redirected at her in my twenties. And so that was like, what really, it was like, as a child, it was very much my dad, my dad. And then like something magical happened at 21. And then it went, all the way over to her. And then I was like, I hate you, you know, type of thing. You're weak. I don't respect you, yada, yada. So, um, wow. Uh, that was a lot, you know, for me to, to then not have any parent basically, you know, that I would trust or that I could really believe or feel like I could receive their love or whatever. And, um, so with her, I feel like, you know, I was able, I was able to forgive my dad I finally got it maybe in my mid thirties. I finally was like, okay, I I get it. Like, this is the absolute best that you could have done considering the level of consciousness that you're at, considering the tools that you had, the resources that were available to you, the time and the energy that you had to cope with this and your own upbringing. So for my mom, did she do it differently than her mom? She actually did. She actually did. My grandmother was very ineffectual, emotionally distant, neglectful, um, and really put all the responsibility of parenting her children onto my mother, who was also the oldest. So this is what I'm talking about as far as like these epigenetic lines are concerned. I'm the oldest daughter of the oldest daughter of the oldest daughter. Yeah. So that these things get transferred, right? Mm -hmm. And isn't that crazy? And, well, yeah. And so, right. you, so you have a good, a pretty much a good relationship now with both your parents, considering everything that you've been through, through your own g- journey of healing. Yeah. Right. Which is, which, which has been, uh, you know, you've had to take all different types of tool, uh, tools out of your toolbox to get there. And that's, oh, yeah. that's really what I want to say that's so important that people hear is that when you go through this kind of stuff, 
it isn't just cognitive therapy that gets you through it. It isn't just EFT. It isn't just EMDR. It isn't, you know, there's all these things. You you basically have to be open to a full spiritual healing, whatever that looks like and however that shows up for you, right? Mm-hmm. Amen. Yes. Is that the best way to describe kind of what your what you do and what your recommendation would be for people who have trauma and want to believe and believe in trauma recovery because I believe in trauma recovery yeah. just like you do. I don't know that my son believes that right now, but we're trying to we're trying to get him there because you know he's still young, yeah. right? You think about us yeah. in our twenties. I mean, I had such a chip on my shoulder in my twenties. It was ridiculous. And now I, I have a different place in my heart for my stepmom who unfortunately is still with my dad. Um, I don't speak with either of them and that's okay. Like it's not a bad thing. Like it's where it needs to be. Right. Yeah. I, I have, you know, I've, I've forgiven my own mother for certain things. Like you just have to get over that stuff, but it takes, it's a, it's a journey. It is a journey. And that's the most concise, beautiful way of understanding it. And we cannot judge our process because as we are on the healing journey and on the path of recovery, it is not a linear trajectory. It is not like, okay, well now I'm here. And so I'm going to feel this and now I'm there and I'm going to feel that. So no, I mean, we go in and out and it's multidimensional even, um, in its way. And so the best way to help ourselves along this path is through an integrative approach is to look at it from every single angle, look at it from, you know, an allopathic, Western medicine angle, you know, get that done because it's important to get that done. It's important to have, because even regardless if you believe in those diagnoses or not, um, they're important to have um, just as a baseline and, or an understanding, um, a way to conceptualize like what's going on with you to so that you can dive deeper into that. Um, I truly believe that understanding, naming what happened to us is a huge part of the healing process. Mm-hmm. So being able to say it was toxic, being able to say that it was gaslighting, being able to say that you were, you know, know that it was abuse or that you have PTSD or whatever. Um, as long as you don't stay there, as long as you don't stay in that like labeling place, you know, and use that as like your victim card, um, you know, and excuses for not recovering, but it is an essential piece of the puzzle. So having that, and then, you know, there's so many resources and tools and methods and healings that are available to us. And so- just being open to all of them, body, mind, and soul, because it isn't, you know, healing trauma is a completely integrated process. The body, you know, there's like, what is it? The book, the body keeps score. So the body holds on to trauma through muscle memory. It is stored in our cellular DNA. And so there is this response that will happen. So that's why somatic therapies are super important. So that's why acupuncture is a somatic therapy, yoga, breath work, um, massage, right? Uh, these are somatic therapies that get you into your body and help you sit with it to, 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 without judgment, right. And without trying to fix it, but just like sitting with it and seeing, you know, peeling back the layers and uncovering what is there, what's trapped, what's stored. People don't want to do that though. Like people, the majority of people just really struggle with that until there is a physical ailment and then you can tie it back to, right then you can tie it back to that. I mean, I'm speaking from experience because 
I have these, I've had for years, these huge digestion issues, right? Mm. And a lot of that is from what you just said, storing that energy, storing that negativity and not knowing what to do with it. And so there's a difference between the, the generational gap between like the way my parents think about things or your parents or our, even our grandparents, you know, you don't, boy, if it's a grandparent, you don't talk about it. Like you just, there's nothing wrong, you know, right? That's, that's the mindset. You know, my mm-hmm. mom's generation mm-hmm. and dad's generation is like, yeah, well, you know, you know, you might just need to let that go. It's not that big a deal. You've talked about it enough. Don't keep talking about it. Right. And then you move into mm-hmm. our generation and we're like, no, we want to talk about it because it's been really fucked up for a while and I'm not feeling well. And I need to know, I need to know why. <laughs> Totally. Whose fault is it? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Well, but we're like, not even like whose fault is it? Like, where I know, did this, I'm kidding. Like, but like, where did this start? Like, just where, where did, did it start? Yeah. Where did yeah. this come from? No, you know? Totally yeah. yeah. I know it is. You have to know where it starts. And you know what I loved about, about you is just like, first of all, instantly we connected and I was like, oh, I, I can already tell. Cause I felt the same way with Amy. I'm like, I already can mm-hmm. tell this is someone that is going to be in my life. You're going to be in my family's mm-hmm. life. I just, mm-hmm. I wish you were close <laughs> enough that I could come see you for acupuncture because I have such a bad neck issue. I need to see you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. But, you know, I love what you had written um, in something that you sent to me that your personal mission is to share ancient wisdom and hold sacred space for people to heal their deepest wounds through compassion and courage. I love that so much. And I, mm-hmm. and I feel like, you know, the people that I've seen prior to, I would say my forties, when I really started getting into the spiritual healing, um, I didn't, I didn't meet people like you. I didn't meet people who would just like mm. be really raw and and tell me their stuff. You know, um, I know you have to be careful as a practitioner. You don't want to reveal, you know, this or that or whatever, but you know, there are people that are like you that are in that healing space that are really kind of unorthodox, um, but scientifically based, uh, you know, healings and, and methods that, uh, are really open about like what you talked about today, just really open about their shit. And that allows people who are really in pain to just let their guard down and be like, okay, this person gets it. And I never got that when I was going through cognitive therapy, I was going to one Mm -hmm. therapist after another therapist, you know, and, and had a failed marriage and had all these issues with men. And I couldn't figure out, you know, what the hell was going on. And until I really started doing the work and tying it back to all of the stuff you just talked about, the lineage, the DNA, the relationship with my father, um, all that kind of stuff. So I just want to encourage people who are listening that like, you don't, if you are going to therapy and believe me, I think everybody should be in therapy, but if you're going to any kind of therapy, cognitive therapy, and you feel like you're not getting enough out of it um, or whatever, like, wouldn't you agree, like change, change therapists, go see somebody, yes. right? Yes. Go yes. to an integrative health practitioner like yourself. Yeah. Or go to multiple, multiple practitioners. So like, for instance, people always ask me all the time because my work is so heavy and because I deal with so much emotional stuff all day long, people always ask me, well, I hope you have somebody that can do this for you. 
Uh, yeah, I, I most definitely do because if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to do this. So you have a you know, team, right? I have a team. So, I, and it took me years to find all of them. And I've been through multiple healers and they were all super important for my journey and my path. And I think that people can take you to a certain level. And then, you know, you just come to a place where the contract is complete and you have to move on and you have to go find the next person. And that's kind of like what you were talking about is like, if the therapy is no longer working contract complete, it's not personal. It's not wrong. It's not that that person's not good, a healer. It's just that you need something else. And so, um, and something more and something more and a different perspective or whatever, like they've taken you as far as they can take you. So at that point, you know, I have a therapist who, um, is incredible. Oh my God. She's been in the business for like 30 years. Um, I have a chiropractor that I see, uh, I see the therapist once a week, the chiropractor once a week who also does, um, um, NET, which is neuro emotional technique. Mm. So in combination with the chiropractic, which is so important. Um, I have a acupuncturist that I go see that's also been in the biz for like 30 years, you know, um, and focuses on what we call five, um, element acupuncture. Um, and then of course, like I go and I get like deep tissue massage and, you know, I practice yoga. I meditate every single day. I pray every single day. I do breath work. I go for walks in nature every single day. So, and I take a ton of supplements. So, um, that I prescribe for myself, but whatever, um, you know, that help that help with, but it's just helpful when you can prescribe it for yourself, but you know, um, that help with like brain chemistry and, um, and supplementing me in my immune system, whatever. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's really about taking a fully integrative approach. And I will tell people, I will, I will say this to the audience and the listeners, like, you know, what is the, I'll ask you this question. Like, what is the one thing that you are not willing to do? Like you'll do anything. You'll go to ayahuasca and, you know, to Peru and do ayahuasca. You'll, you know, walk on hot coals in the jungle, like whatever. You'll do all of these crazy things, but what is the one thing you won't do? Because that one thing that you won't do, that is the thing that will unlock all of this for you that you will heal. So if you don't want to talk about your daddy shit, if you don't want to talk about your mommy shit, guess what? boom, that is the answer to your entire problem. And if you think that it's not your parents, it's your parents. I'm sorry. And if it's not, because regardless of, you know, if they were wonderful and they were amazing and they were like amazing parents, which let's be real. Like, you know, they say that in attachment style, only 50% of people are securely attached. That is a lie. I truly believe it's something probably more like only 25% of people are securely attached. So, um, because again, no one's perfect and it's not anybody's fault. And we're not, this is not a blame shame game you know, but it's just understanding like where these patterns started, where these limiting beliefs occurred, knowing our story about what happened to us, because what, whatever happened to us from that creates a distorted narrative because children don't understand, especially, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and our, and our prefrontal cortex of our brain is not even developed until we're 25 years old. We can't even have a rational fucking thought until we're 25. I mean, we try, you know, <laughs> We think we know everything. We think we know, you know? So, um, so that's, you know, so that develops, right? And so there's all these distorted narratives. And from the distorted narratives, we create, even if we don't want to, all these limiting beliefs about ourselves and others. So true. You know, and then from those limiting beliefs, then we play out these self-sabotaging, unwanted behavioral patterns of these toxic relationships 
relationships and marriages and, you know, whatever the hell, addictive tendencies and whatever that is to food, to drugs, to sex, to whatever. All the things. Well, right. I, it's interesting. I wonder if like someone's listening and they're thinking, oh yeah, all this sounds great, but I'm scared to death of needles like you, right? I don't want to see an acupuncturist. I'm afraid. Cause I actually right. have a friend who I, I made a comment to her cause she gets migraines constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, this is the friend I was telling you about before we got on the call that I, I'm going to have you work with her for sure. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Um, she gets migraines frequent. And I said, you just uh-huh. have to go get some acupuncture and this and that. And she's like, I can't, I'm yeah. petrified. So what do you, yeah. what do you suggest on that? Like if somebody's really afraid of acupuncture, would you suggest Reiki work or what? Yeah. So I do still suggest acupuncture because again, it will set you free, but it's about conquering and facing our fears. Right. So God grant me the courage to change the things I can. So like the courage to step up and to face my fear and to know that I'm going to live, that I'm going to be okay. It's about finding someone that you can build a relationship that you can trust and you start small. The very first time I had acupuncture, I had one needle, one, that's it. That is it. I had one needle. That's all I could. It was in my, it was in my arm. And that was all I could handle. That's all I could do. I was like terrified. Okay. I think the second time I maybe let her do five needles, you know? And then I was like, okay, I'm still alive. I'm still alive. You know? Okay. That's good. So it's not about, it's not about like taking somebody and throwing them into the deep end of the pool, because guess what? That's going to re-traumatize them. That will absolutely re-traumatize them. If you force them outside of their comfort zone, too fast, too soon. Right. So it's about like baby steps, you know, progress, like, like little itty bitty, like, okay, put my toe in. Oh, I lived. I'm okay. Oh, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. So, you know, you have to keep reinforcing that. Like, you know, it's like the whole idea of like getting the lion to come to you. Right. You don't go into the cave. You bring the lion out of the cave. And yeah. then you face it, you know? So that's that's the, the thing that we're looking for here. But yeah, there are so many other modalities and techniques that you can try and do, you know, in the meantime, and then also in combination with that. So like I have, um, let's see, I have a patient right now that um, she's got a lot of um, hip pain and it's, it's definitely trauma related. And so she wanted to try acupuncture and we put one needle in, she totally lost her shit. Um, and it was too much. And so we just left one needle. And so we did the one needle and then I did a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of Reiki. So in combination with that, and, um, and that was enough because the needle's job is to move the chi. And guess what happens when you've been keeping something stuck and stored and trapped for a really long time? Really? it starts to hurt. I've had acupuncture and I know it will hurt in that spot. Right. Yeah, it will. And also it's a loaded, it's like a loaded gun. And so, you know, you put the needle in and that manipulates the energy and it releases whatever's there and whatever's there is like nine times out of 10. It's like not even, it's not even the pain that people are feeling has like nothing to do with the physical amount of pain. The body processes it as a physical pain that something is wrong, but really it's not. It's the fact that there's so much trapped emotional baggage in that spot. So many wounds in that spot that, you know, it's like exposing that it's when it becomes so raw and, 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 and vulnerable. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, I think like, honestly, I, I feel like I, there's so many questions I still have for you and I want to have you back on the show for <laughs> sure. But I want to ask you a couple things before we wrap up. So 
first of all, if somebody's looking for an acupuncturist, don't you feel like it's important that they find someone who also um, has some other energy modality work that they do like Reiki and some other things? Like, do you think that's important from your perspective or is it just like, hey, just get into an acupuncturist? Like, what's your thought on that? I, I really think it's about uh, personality and about vibe. So, you know, way more than anything else. So, um, because you gotta, you gotta be met where you're at. And so if you're not ready to go on this like crazy shamanic journey, like don't, (laughs) then I'm probably not the right person for you. (laughs) So like, you know what I mean? Cause we're going to go there and we're going to go right into the dark places and we're going to sit with the pain and we're going to cry together. And, you know, we're going to talk about all the things and, and you know, whatever. So that's what we're going to do. And if that's not where you're at, like, I respect that. That's your prerogative. That's your process. And like, who am I to judge you? Like, right. That's just, that's not fair. So it's about being with somebody who can meet you where you're at and the level of consciousness that you're at and who can be that facilitator, that co-facilitator with you to bring you to where you need to be next. So it's, it's, it's what is who and what is a vibrational match? Like who makes you feel safe? Who speaks the language? Who makes you feel seen and heard and, and safe to be with? Because it's really, if you don't feel safe, there is nothing, there is no healing that will occur. Oh, I just love that you said that. I, of course, I would definitely come to you if I was in the area. Thanks. Thanks. For sure. I mean, in a, and like, I'm almost contemplating driving to you right now. No, I'm kidding. But, um, so tell me about the feng shui consultant part of your, of what you do. Do you like look in people's homes and give them a, God, I, yeah. I could keep yeah. you busy doing so many things. You don't want stairs when you walk in the front door, right? Right. Yes, that's true. So, so yeah. So, I mean, the idea about feng shui is I I love it. I've been practicing it for 10 years. Um, I did it. um, I learned it while I was in acupuncture school. So actually over 10 years. Okay. Anyway, whatever. So um, the idea about feng shui is, is that our outer environment represents what's happening on the inside of us. So kind of like the saying as above, so below, as within, so without, um, you know, um, as it is in heaven, basically here on earth. So like, that's the idea that we're looking at is it's the microcosm, the macrocosm, the mirrors, the reflections that we have within our space. So I love feng shui. I think it's like this beautiful, magical, artful thing that is so goes beyond um, interior design because a lot of people make it about interior design, but it's really about uh, flow and about harmony and balance in our environments to create more harmony and balance in our lives. So the idea, you know, there's a lot of superstitious stuff, but but basically it's, it's really common sense things, you know, like yeah. clutter, like a lot of clutter attracts more dense, heavy, negative energy. So, you know, like nobody wants to hang out in a room that's cluttered. Nobody, right? If you, you know, we want to hang out in a room that's bright and light and has airflow and, you know, all of that, because again, it's what makes our psyche feel better. Um, you know, there's a lot of things around like, um, you know, like a lot of common sense stuff, which is like, oh, always keep the toilet seat lid closed. Well, yeah, because toilets are filthy, disgusting, you know, disease germane things. And so having it open is like, ugh, all the little germies, you know, can be all over the place, especially when you flush, you know, it could just spreads into the air. Yeah. Um, you know, not having, you know, having a headboard that's not against a window, your, the head of your bed against the window. Well, that also makes sense because at night, the cold air can come through the window and then you can get sick from the cold air. 
there. So, um, you know, or when you're in an office, you always want to have your, your back to the wall facing the door. So, and the reason for that is so that it can help your nervous system to relax because you are like, you are aware, like nobody can sneak up on you and scare you. So, because you're facing the door. So a lot, again, a lot of it's very, a very common sense, you know, stuff. And interestingly enough, Yeah. A lot of cultures have their own version of feng shui. So like in Judaism, they have like these house blessing rules as well. And, and in India, they, they also have their own, they have their own system called Vastu. Um, so yeah, there it's, it's this common idea that our environments and our spaces absolutely have a direct impact on our mental health and our physical well being, because our, everything in the physical starts really in the mental. I can't even believe how much shit there is to talk to you about. <laughs> and we just, my whole life I've been doing this stuff, you know, like I, I love it. I'll never stop. It's amazing. I mean, yes. we, covered, we have covered so much. Okay. How do people, you're really hard to get in to see. Yeah. Let's be honest because I know. you're kind of a big deal to me anyway. Oh, thanks. You are. Thanks. You are. Um, how do people get in to see you? Like, give me your website. And of course, we're going to put this in the notes. Give me your website. Give me kind of like, tell me a little bit about that and what the process is. Yeah. So my website is just my name. So it's www.natalievale.com. And I have a really easy um, to access online scheduler that you can look at 24 seven to review the available and open days and times for appointments. So basically you just click on whatever appointment type that you're looking for, whether that is a transformational healing session, which is basically a combination of like shamanism and Reiki and intuitive healing um, with essential oils and crystals or you would click on uh, a psychic reading, which is just that, you know, um, where we'll go over your numerology and your astrology. And we'll I'm pull doing some that. Tar- tar- yay, good. And we'll pull some tarot cards. Um, and, or, um, and those sessions can be done distance-wise. So those can be done virtually via Zoom um, or acupuncture that has to be an in-person session. Um, you know, and then you would schedule acupuncture for that. However, I do offer telemedicine. So if people are just looking for kind of some herbal supplementation recommendations or some lifestyle recommendations, um, then we can do that virtually instead of like, but that, that doesn't involve needles. You know, that would just be us talking about what's going on with you and me giving recommendations and tips. So that's basically how it would work. Um, I usually do book about a month out in advance, which is what I think a lot of people get upset about because they want instant gratification. Um, but once you're in, you're in and we'll get you on a rotation and a cycle and we'll get you, you know, what you need. And, um, and I'm all about, like I said, integrative work. So I love it when people have other practitioners that they're working with as well. So, you know, chiropractors, therapists, yoga, you know, instructors, all of the things. Um, I'm all about, I'm all about supporting people in every angle and every way, um, to really bring back that sense of balance and wholeness. Yeah. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you too. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had anybody tell you that, but I'm going to be the first. Well, thank Uh, you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're just so, you're just so lovely in so many ways. And I, I don't know. I just, I love your energy, but I just love your, your rawness of, of everything and being willing to talk about kind of your own shit and why you got into this and why you're on this journey and what it's really about. And it makes you, it just really makes you so unique 
that you're willing to, you're not like, Hey, yeah, I'm an acupuncturist and I do integrative health. Like you're doing like, like I said in the beginning, all kinds of things, because you know, from your own personal healing that you need all of those types of things in your life to really be on the right path. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The more, the more support, the better, you know, it's not about people need people. And that is a true story. And to think that we can do this journey on our own. I mean, sure. Yeah. But you're only going to get so far, you know? And I think that a lot of people who have had trauma, they don't trust. And so because of the bad experiences that have happened to them, and there's a lot of fear there, which leads to control issues and needing to be in control of all the things and, and not wanting to be seen as weak or vulnerable, which I get, you know, I've been there myself. And, but, but really, uh, like I said, you know, that over self-reliance can only take us so far. Yeah. And recognizing that like, it's no one's job to fix us. We are here to heal ourselves. And our job is to find the people that can help us to come into whatever realizations that we need to have to help facilitate these breakthroughs with us. It's about co-healing, you know? And I always see that like when I, I know I'm not the healer, I am the conduit. Number one, it is well beyond me. Um, it is something greater. It's a higher power that is working through me and with me and for the other person. And whatever happens, whatever they get, I get. And so, you know, if I have a healing, then I can give that to someone else. And if they have a healing through that, that also brings healing to me. So it's a mutually beneficial relationship that we enter into in these healing partnerships. Mm-hmm. And again, we are not meant to do it alone. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And when you read the, when you read the pre-call agenda to be on this show and kind of what, what, you know, we're covering here and the topics and, and such, even without listening to all of the episodes, you, you realized like this was the perfect platform for us to, I mean, this was like meant to be for you and I to be connected. I mean, I'm so grateful for Tony, of course. It absolutely was. I mean, Me too. Oh my God. So like, you know, yeah. I, and I, I feel like there was definitely like an alignment happening in a, in a, in a, in a synchronicity happening well before we even connected because, you know, I've seen Tony for, and um, Maria for a couple of years now. And she just told me about this podcast and I was like, and then I was the one that was like, Oh, that sounds like fun. I would love to be on that. You know, fun. Who says like, Oh, it sounds like fun to be on a trauma podcast, but you know, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, so and then I was like, I just felt called even from that day. And so anyway, yeah. I feel like, again, you know, the universe is always conspiring for our greatest and highest good if we allow it to be. And that there are divine appointments that are meant to be had. Like this conversation was clearly meant to be had. We're clearly meant to be, you know? And oh, I just go, oh my God, I got so many chills when I said that. Oh, I know, me girl. too. I, got, um, I yeah. got chills when you were when you were grounding us this morning, when you were talking. Like that, I, I got the same. I was like, ooh, this is... Yeah. This is different. This is special. Yeah. It felt special to me. Yeah. Was it as good it for really you as it you. was Thank for you. me? Yeah. <laughs> it sure was. It sure was. It sure was. Yeah, it sure was. And I'm so excited yeah. that you're so. you, that you're going to actually get to to work with my son at some point. I'm really excited about that. I know you're going to help him so much and so grateful for that. Thank you. Um, so no, this was a, this was a great podcast and we talked about so many things Uh and we are just, I'm hoping that it reached enough people that really needed to hear it today. And for those of you that are in San Diego, of course, 
Of course you need to see her. Of course you do. And we're going to have you back because we have to talk about the shamanic, shamanic, how do I say it? Shamanic. Shamanic priestess. Priestess, not princess. I I like calling you princess. I like princess or princess. Yes. (laughs) Talk about that. I'm really fascinated with Reiki. I want to talk way more about Reiki. Um, What else do I want to talk about? About you becoming an ordained minister, which we didn't really talk about. I mean, there's so much shit. Yeah, I know. I know. Let's there do it is. again. Let's do it again. I'm down you know? for it. Yes, let's do it again. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> thank you for <laughs> thank you for being on the show. Any parting words? Oh my gosh. Yeah, just be kind to yourself. Yeah. Just be kind to yourself. You know, there's I think that there's just this the world is the game has changed and it's gotten so much harder recently just over this past year. And, um, letting go of those expectations of where we think we should be, or we think we should be doing or how our life should look all the shoulds and just moving into like loving kindness for ourselves, like meeting ourselves where we're at. Mm -hmm. And that knowing that this is exactly where we're supposed to be, even if it's painful and ugly and messy and full of all the things, (laughs) this is where we're meant to be and that Mm -hmm. we're, we're on our way out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hope so. And taking care of ourselves and asking for help if you yes. need it. And seeing people like you, there are other people out there like you in other people's, you know, locations, yes. right? So yes, absolutely. They just have to find you. They have to find those people. Mm-hmm. They're not easy, yes. I don't think. Right? They're not. You know, they're not. But as we say, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Yes. So. What a great yeah. way to end the podcast. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. I loved having you on the show, Reverend Dr. Natalie Vale, V-A-I-L. You guys are looking looking her up and I'll put all the information in the podcast notes so you can connect with her. You are a lovely light in this world and I am just so blessed to know you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Dawn. Thank you for putting this all together and for this opportunity. This is really wonderful. Wow, what a podcast. I bet many of you didn't know what epigenetics was. I know I didn't. And if you didn't, I wonder if you're now a believer. You may have vibed through this entire podcast with me and understood and believed that there are really integrated providers out there like Reverend Dr. Natalie. Or you may have listened with skepticism and limiting beliefs. Wherever you are, that's okay. And that's where you need to be at this moment. But if you are not a believer that people like this can be healers in not only Chinese medicine, but in all the other ways in which she heals, I can personally attest that she is legitimately magical. She worked with my son and there was a profound shift that occurred only after one transformation session via telehealth. I can't even imagine what it would be like to visit her in her office. The best part of this podcast is having the privilege of meeting people like her, people whose own early life of trauma led them to make a difference for others in such a profound way that without having done this podcast, I may never have met her. As Reverend Dr. Natalie says, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Until next time. Subscribe for the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcast, or visit lightfromtherabbithole.com. As my good friend Tony says, my mission is my movement. And I hope you were moved with just a little more kindness and compassion today. Until next time. 
As a reminder, this podcast is for informational purposes only and to bring awareness and resources to those in need. This show will have expressed opinions and it is not intended to replace the guidance of one's medical doctor.